0: here on the Rise and Above podcast with Lisa and Nini. How are you guys doing today?
1: Excellent. How are you, David?
0: I'm doing excellent. Thanks again for joining me on the podcast. It's uh, It's been three years.
1: Yeah, you were like one of, I think you might have been the first podcast that we ever did um, back when I, we just had a pipe dream. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for having us again. Yeah. yeah
0: absolutely and i do have to kind of point out your uh video is lagging so for the audience i hopefully there's no um audio interruptions there but um
2: yeah we, we apologize for that it's just kind of the best that you can get in Antigua. but yeah <laughs> i would
1: like
0: way to way to brag um <laughs>
1: is real.
0: <laughs> Good weather, <bad> internet. <laughs> now, you guys were on three years ago um and that was the start of the podcast almost i think you guys were like maybe like somewhere in between episode one and ten i don't remember exactly um but since then what has been going on because i remember when you when we sat down before you guys kind of told me about uh your pipe dream and how you planned on rowing uh the atlantic uh a challenge. And then it was going to be like a 3000 mile row. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that is correct. So we, um, I can't remember if you got in touch with us or if we got in touch with you. um, But I first love that we've kind of been on this whole journey together. And we've all accomplished so much in those three years. Um, But we were planning and we were just kind of in the inception phase of uh, Team Ocean Grown, which is um nini and i who are female pairs ocean rowing team and at that time we it was very much just a dream to row across the atlantic and then now we've done it yeah and we have not only accomplished that dream but we set a world
2: record in the process so
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, and insane both at the same time
2: yeah, so, um, yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, we yeah, back at that point, we were still very much in the um, start of sourcing our fundraising to make it to the start line. And that we learned was a challenge in and of itself. And from there we were we were able to buy our boat and we were training out of the u s. Virgin Islands. Um, and then it was in December of twenty twenty three we started. Um, the race leaving La Gomera, Spain in the Canary Islands and rowing, uh, it's just under 3000 nautical miles to English Harbor, Antigua. So
0: I have so many questions about the whole rowing thing, but I, I kind of want to back up and talk about why you guys wanted to do it and what the goal and purpose of it was.
1: Yeah. So going along and part of the reason that we were obviously on your podcast is, um, we had this massive goal to row across the ocean. Nini and I both are um, females who work in the professional sailing industry, which is how we met here in Antigua at the finish line of this race. And so after we both decided separately that we wanted to come together and be a team, um, we came up with a charitable aspect of our campaign, which has, which is, really cool and special um, and has panned out more beautifully than we could have expected. So um, we decided to create the Bridges Over Water Scholarship Fund. So the fund is a maritime education scholarship for young adults who aged out of the foster care system. And so I myself was raised in care. Um, I aged out and then after uh, trying to land on my feet in a few different ways, found myself in this sailing industry at age 19. Fast forward now, I'm 32. I'm a, the captain of a very pretty sailing yacht and have traveled through many countries and really just experienced a life that I never could have imagined. And so through our fund, we're going to be able to provide that same meaningful change for other young adults who grew up in care and so we're really really excited about the whole thing
0: now do you find that uh being in that industry it's very difficult for women to uh work in that industry and are you um and and is this is it an industry where not many people get involved period just doesn't matter what sex male or female
2: um i would say that it depends, kind of, on what you're trying to do. Like, for instance, working as a captain, an engineer, or in roles that are kind of less commonly sought out by women. Um, obviously, we're in a day and age where that's that's the there's like the turn of the tide with that, and you're finding more women in those roles. But it's still a little bit of a challenge um, to get there. Um, but also with you know, there's a really great support network of women in the industry and also just mentors um, that we've uh, personally had in our lives who have helped us get to and achieve the positions that we were interested in um, achieving. So um, I think, again, like it's less likely and um, or less common, but like growing Mm -hmm. for women. And um, And yeah, it's really cool to be a part of like uh, the forefront of women kind of turning the tide in the industry. And, you know, coming from a sailing background, we were really excited to take on this challenge as ocean rowers and then also our maritime education fund to take certain, uh, to take youth who have perhaps not even been in the maritime industry or the maritime sector, like, I believe the second half of your question was kind of like, do you have to have that kind of experience to enter that kind of role? And I think the cool part about our uh, scholarship application is that we're looking to change lives. And I think a huge part of that is finding individuals who maybe haven't had any maritime experience or sailing experience and, you know, introducing them to something that could be completely game changing Mm -hmm. um, and, that's really amazing in and of itself because you never know what is actually going to inspire you and what career path you might find yourself on. So. Yeah, and
1: with oh, I just want to back up. No, go ahead. Say like with uh, I mean, Nini works as a rigger. I work as a captain. I think there's substantially less female riggers than, than captains in in our industry, and so for us, kind of coming in and, and doing this. Scholarship, I mean, socioeconomic diversity is is also another major player that comes in, um, and so I think we're pretty uniquely qualified to be able to, you know, bring mentorship into different types of diversity and create really exciting new careers. And I find that our industry is one where it is it's valued on hard work and it's valued on um, perseverance, dedication. Um and being extremely adaptable. And so once you apply all of those things, which are things that are very prevalent for youth and care, this guy really is the limit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Now, I don't know anything about that industry, but what is what can someone <laughs> what can someone expect? Um, like what is the what is the day-to-day activities look like for somebody in that industry?
1: Well, so there. I mean, the day to day can vary so drastically depending on what um, what type of job that you're looking to get. And so, for our candidates coming in, um, the initial uh, the initial process would be career counseling. So, I mean, between Nini's day to day and my day to day are definitely very different and between um i mean you can kind of go in towards the first initial split off would be going between like motor yachts and sailing um and in sailing it's typically a lot smaller crew it's a lot more hands-on um and where um jobs are kind of shared a lot more so the sort of like four breakdowns of jobs job types would be um, like bridge and deck. So getting into like, um, starting out on the deck, t- typically is a lot of like cleaning, hmm. shaming, <laughs> we shaming a lot. Of pol- polishing. <laughs> polishing, yeah, making, making, it, making it shiny because as my first captain said, you can never learn how to drive a boat till you know how to clean one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ronnie.
0: <laughs> Same <laughs> a of vehicle, to cars as well.
1: <laughs> exactly. I'm sure your kids are out there cleaning the car right now. (laughs) Um, So, um, and then, but then, so that career working on deck would often lead into um, uh, like the trajectory would be kind of from a deckhand to a bosun to an officer to a captain, Um, and then the there's the engineering route, which would typically start out in in the deck sector as well. Um, and then become more specialized getting into like a second engineer position um, and then down the line, hopefully hopefully chief engineer. Um, And then there's also the interior crew, which would be um, dealing with a lot of like housekeeping, service, all of those types of things, um, which are like a lot more detail oriented and creative than are in my possession of skills. Um, and but definitely really, really great for high level service. Um, there's also, I mean nannying and all different types of things. And then there's also the galley. Um, so chefing, which also very much works works as a mentor, mentorship. And so the exciting thing about the maritime industry is that there's like there's just so many possibilities. There's so many cool things in programs, so many different types of travel um so it's it's a very it's like a build your own life yeah and the cool thing i
2: think that you mentioned is like it really it comes down to the career counseling and learning more about what the individual is seeking kind of getting a better a better understanding of what their personality is what they mm-hmm. you know where they might thrive in the industry and then building from there so yeah very cool
0: that it's very very cool that you guys are willing to help help people out and give them a path to being able to have a successful future. Do you guys feel like that's something you've possibly struggled with? And that's why you want to be able to help other people with the same. path?
2: Absolutely. I think, um, well, Lisa's story is a bit more, uh, ties into that storyline directly. Like her, um, growing up in foster care, but then being able to change her life around to having a successful career. But I think, you know, um, I had the benefit of having uh, both of my parents around and, you know, and I was fortunate enough to um, have that support, but it's still like, I know the value of having mentorship and guidance. And a lot of the people who have influenced me aren't even just my parents. So I know that, you know, being able to provide people who don't have that mentorship and guidance with something that could completely change their life around is something that really means the world to us. And so, yeah, like when Lisa kind of presented this idea of saying, Hey, like, you know, instead of a charity where it's like, if you, I mean, and I don't mean to like put down any sort of charities, but like, because we're women in the sailing industry, hypothetically, we could be like, let's go raise money for the oceans. But you're not seeing the direct impact of where those donations are going, where this is something where it's individuals lives that are changing and we will be able to see the impact. And then, as Lisa always says, like, quite literally break a cycle of poverty and get people, you know, to a great place where they can stand up on their own and then hopefully provide that change to other people and be like a domino effect of how we can, you know, continue to. Um, create waves from this.
0: So. That's that's a very important point because uh, I've heard many times you uh, you know to create less losers, you give give them a skill and then they'll be fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, teach <she's> a fish. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah. Now, you I know obviously you guys had spent the last three years trying to raise funds for this specific thing. How how much? How much funds were you able to raise for, like, how many people? Like, how many people are you looking to take on?
2: Well, so the interesting thing about our fundraising was that we were, we obviously had, our campaign saw upwards of $150,000, um, with the cost of the boat itself costing about 80000 US dollars. So, oh. what, yeah, all right, it's not a cheap vessel. Um, but the... <laughs> so but we kind of decided early that if we because that money that we raised we actually didn't owe anything so it wasn't any loans or anything we raised that money and we decided that you know a portion of selling the boat (laughs) sam selling the boat would go towards our charitable cause so that we could ensure that we actually um we actually carry out our mission uh and like as we want to so yeah. We've set aside um, $50,000 from the sale of the boat to ensure that we can make change and you know carry out the Bridges Over Water Fund. And then we also are still actually re- receiving donations via our GoFundMe, yeah. fortunately. And so that's the nice part of kind of, I mean, che- achieving something like rowing the ocean, but also having achieved a world record. I think we're actually gaining a lot of momentum towards yeah. our charitable cause and still receiving support and donations. And that's really powerful because it means that we have the opportunity to take on more scholarship applicants than we had ar- originally anticipated. So at first it was just like, this is our safety net, just in case people don't actually do things. In case <laughs> and, <burn>. yeah. <laughs> and then people are like, no, we love you girls. So I'm like, maybe, yeah, here. So I mean, anyone listening, you can still go support
1: us and go donate to our GoFundMe, it's on yeah. our website. <laughs> I think, I think, um, I hope we, cause I mean, we just finished the race. I think we're probably at about 65,000 um, in and about that um, in scholarship funds. And then um, we're looking the kind of uh, number that we figure for each scholarship would be about um, 7,000 US dollars um, as a rough figure. So what we're actually going to do is take, um, choose six initial applicants, um, because this is a pilot program. So we have to sort of figure out and see exactly, um, how everything will, how everything will pan out perfectly. Um, and yeah, so we'll uh, choose six to begin with, but we're hoping to get 10, um, in the, uh, following time right now, we're going to be pitching to a lot of different maritime schools, because we did have a really successful campaign, Um, go to them and hopefully get uh, massive discounts on courses and see where we can reduce cost and then try and get as as many scholarships in as we possibly can. I was like, Lisa hasn't stopped dreaming. We're going to keep dreaming. She was like,
2: we're going to get massive discounts. Yeah, massive I was like, discounts. dare to dream. I mean, yeah, it works. We're a dreamer. Yeah. Dreamers. <laughs> it's got us this far.
0: <laughs> it definitely has gotten you this far, and you won a, a world record. <laughs>
2: yeah, I feel like awesome. we kind of, I don't know. It's so funny how that happened, because we had, like, kind of discussed it along the way. And then we, I mean, even mid-race, we were like, it's not going to happen. So, yeah. But,
0: <laughs> um you, know, you guys I, i've seen all of your social media that you guys won a world record what is the world record like what exactly did you wrote in the quit like the the fastest or what so was we're, the,
2: we're the fastest female pairs but so when really? we learned when we signed up for the race we were just a lot of people do the race as a solo pair mm-hmm. pairs team you have teams of three four and even this year there was a five-man team so um oh. and they're like mixed teams too you know you'll have men, women, solos, whatever. So we decided that we wanted to do this as a pairs team, I think just cause like, it would be an easier team dynamic rather than dealing with like four personalities, um, which, which is the common, it's a common thing for a lot of people to do the world's toughest row as a four person team. I mean, it's easier, um, uh, I think like as a walkthrough, well, not necessarily easier, but like physically, you have more, <laughs> momentum to the boat so hopefully you get in faster right um and then i think like as our team developed we had heard through the grapevine that the women's pairs record might be within our grasp and the men's pairs record actually stands at something like 32 days so then our initial goal was to just kind of narrow that gap and um yeah, like I said, when we started, even during our fundraising, we're like, we're gonna push for a record, we're gonna push for a record, which I also like kind of hesitate to brag about because you know, now no. you put that like out there for everyone to hear. And if you don't do it, then that's even crazier. Even
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then you're like, ooh, well, I was right? like I was like, we want to challenge the record. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So but Uh-oh.
2: then you see people and you're like, They're like, we lost you for a
0: second. Yeah, I lost you as
2: well. (laughs) Okay. But what's so crazy is now meeting people um, having accomplished that, and they're like, you know, we're so impressed that you said you wanted to do that and and you achieved it. It makes Mm -hmm. it that much more powerful. Um, But as I kind of skimmed over earlier, there was a moment mid race where we had no wind, and our estimated arrival time was well past our like expected date of trying to challenge the world record and lisa Mm -hmm. and i kind of came to terms with the fact that that wasn't why we had signed up for the row and and she likes to say how like as soon as we kind of accepted that the breeze kind of started to fill in again and our momentum picked up and our arrival date started to come like get a bit closer again and it was just really, yeah, it was interesting how
1: that worked. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, almost like the universe in the ocean where, like, you need to remember why you're actually here. And it's not to try and, you know, get some sort of title. It's not to do that. It's to, you know, um, bring you back into the intrinsic reasons why you're here and to um, make yourself stronger. And you're going to be doing this incredible thing. And so – because. I mean, earlier on, there's a point where I know I like I'm super competitive. <laughs> and I was like, record, go, 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 go. And then as soon as we brought it back, then Mama Ocean gave us gave us a window. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, it was really so
0: cool. How many days did it take you guys to complete it?
2: 45. 45 days, 1 hour, and 27 minutes, which we challenged the previous female pair's record by 6 hours. (laughs) It's pretty close. If we had gone, like, less than 3 knots within our 24-hour window of arriving, we would have arrived, like, an hour late of the record, and that would have been... I think I probably would have been like, okay, well, now we have to do it again. All right, just go back to the start line. Yeah. Like an hour? Oh, my God. That would be
0: do you guys see yourselves doing it again in the future?
2: Mm, I mean, I think like, I might stick to sailing for a bit now. Yeah, it made me really miss sailing. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, look at like those boats with those, that
1: canvas. Yeah, (laughs) And they don't even have to use their little arms and legs. Like when you're sailing, (laughs) if the weather's really bad, like typically you just like make a cup of tea and like Mm -hmm. look out and go, Ooh, that's rough.
2: Well, let's also (laughs) consider this. If you're sailing and you have, all right, you have headwinds, you can still make forward momentum with the boat. Mm -hmm. Same if it's on the beam same if it's downwind you can basically like achieve forward momentum from any point unless you're like dead nose into the wind then you're probably not (laughs) but you know right so on a rowing boat on the other hand Mm -hmm. the only like the most comfortable and fastest point of row (laughs) like point of (laughs) sail, is downwind and i mean like you can make forward momentum with it on the beam it's pretty uncomfortable but as soon as that wind shifts around like to the front of the boat, you're like, this is not fun anymore. <laughs> Which speaking of currently, currently there's still uh, like a few boats of the fleet out there and they are like struggling. Yeah, and it is like the conditions are super funky. I don't know if it's because it's the year of El Nino and we got some wet, weird weather patterns coming over the, from the Pacific, but it's just, yeah, this poor, I mean, there's this really, like, strong, if you're interested, there's the app called the World's Toughest Row, Yellow Brick, and it's free to download, but you can go and support the last boats coming in, and there's this 4 women team. They're about to set a record to be the oldest four women to row across, and, uh, and man, there were three miles from shore this morning, and now they're five because they've gone backwards. 30 They were, like, what? Aren't they?
0: I uh, Anyways,
2: they're close, but
0: yeah that's crazy now when how how soon before this race did you guys start preparing for it like physically
1: we've been training for like a good period of time like i um i think it was right around the yeah it would have been about the time when we were doing the podcast with you because i was over in greece at that time um running boat and so I started um, training with the one of the Greek national uh, rowing team training coaches. Um, so he taught me how to row, and then was also like I was training super, duper hard with him. And then like Nini was working um, like very much upping her gym schedule and then getting ready physically. And then, like the last year, we've definitely both been pushing pushing pretty hard.
2: Yeah, I would say between, you know, because Lisa and I were kind of on the move a lot, if we ever had access to a gym, we would focus on weight training um, and uh, time on the ERG. We would do like distances on the ERG, but the best training we got was after having uh, paid off the vessel and training in and on the vessel itself really helped prepare us, especially because we were in the U.S. Virgin Islands and the conditions there, we were like in ocean, like open ocean with like wind and waves and we would push ourselves and put ourselves out there in unfavorable conditions to kind of like try and better prepare ourselves for being in the middle Atlantic, which, I mean, you, we had an idea of what we would be up against having sailed across the Atlantic, but it would still, you know, it's a rowing boat. And it's even Lisa would tell stories of like, it's one thing being on like the bridge of like, Oh, whatever size catamaran and like you know you're on this massive like sailing yacht and those waves you're like looking at them and you're like that sounds so bad to when you're in a rowing boat and it's like you're looking up at this wave it's like (laughs) two to three stories high and where they're like mountains and you're like well uh that's your perspective (laughs) (laughs) yeah so
0: so what is what? What is your typical diet like? Because I could assume that you're burning so many calories when you're rowing. What are you? What kind of things are you consuming on the boat while you're rowing?
2: Chocolate. <laughs> um, Lisa <laughs> dug into the grab bag like last
1: week and <laughs> pulled out our chocolate. She's like, "Well, we had. So here's the thing. We had, <laughs> um, we had like lots of snacks. It's important to have snacks. I'll get into the food part in a second, but it's, it's um, really. She did really." go above and beyond food yeah but so we um we like pack uh we have our daily food bags so we want about four thousand calories per day um per person and so we have like our breakfast and then lunch dinner and then our snacks and then we also had like an entire locker full of extra like snacks and sweets and all this stuff <laughs> and as soon as we got out we both just started getting like the most in
0: I lost you guys. Oh, we're
1: back. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but we so We both started getting like the most intense sweets cravings ever, and so we joke that it's. Oh, oh no. Sorry, the no, weather's not good here, and so I'm scared about. That.
0: No, for um, the people. But you're so we. An island, right? You guys are in an island. <laughs>
1: um. But yeah. So we ate. Like our entire races worth of like snacks in like two weeks. Like all of our like chocolates and I
2: mean, if we had to stay an extra week at sea, we probably would have been very grumpy with each other because we were rationing out like the last of our treats because yeah. we had kind of plowed through them within our first two to three weeks at sea. And then we we're like, okay, we need to, yeah,
1: we need to reel it in. We need to, <laughs> yeah. Portion out our sweets because. But then <laughs> Nini, Nini was joking about the grab bag because we have like our, our ditch bag on board, like a waterproof bag with all of our emer- like super emergency stuff if we ever have to abandon to Life Raft. And we, part of the race regulation is you have to put chocolate bars in the grab bag. And so we got maybe like a week out and I was like, yo, <laughs> hear me out. <laughs> We're, like, within rescue range of a helicopter <laughs> now. So even if we have to abandon to life paths, like, it's not going to be for a long time. <laughs> so we eat those chocolate bars or what? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was worth it. it so worth it. But, but, yeah, so, like, in general, like, we, I do want to, I do think it's important to mention that, so we're, like, dependent on eating three-star meals throughout the duration of the race. You bring all of your food with you. And we use a water maker and our jet oil to rehydrate our foods. And when we were training, we kind of like didn't really find a company or brand that we were really happy with because every time we would heat up the meals, it would kind of throw our stomach off or like the chemicals or whatever. It just like never really sat well with us, which became a problem because then you're growing two hours on, two hours off and you are. Burning all this fuel, all these calories, and there's nothing refueling you and replenishing you. And then you're just, yeah, it's not, it's just, yeah. no. She <laughs> said, so, like, deep dived into some research and found a freeze dried meal company where she ordered all this, um, all the components of our meals independent. Shucks. We're back. <laughs> But so she she ordered all the components of our meals independently, and then we went and vacuum-packed them. And yeah, and they were delicious. I mean, we had like chicken, quinoa,
1: and feta, and beans, and yeah. you know. My, f- my favorite was the um, Thai rice with, uh, they had this like insanely good pulled pork. And then we started calling it pulling pork. It's because they pull was- on the ears. <laughs> And the jokes
2: that you
0: have yeah <laughs> now i could imagine that when you're in like tight quarters like that with somebody for that long and that uh, that long amount of time i guess that's such a long time to be with someone and you're you're doing something that's excruciating you're tired you're exhausted Did, what is your guys's relationship like on the on the boat
1: it was it was really quite good. Um, I mean, we had I think like a day and a half where we were just like we're just gonna like row and and keep to ourselves. Um, that was kind of like mid ocean when um, it was just like we we're it was really grueling. My back is really sore. We were just like let's let's just like take take a bit of alone time. But for the most part, we really prioritized each other's care, um, and that's like definitely a strategy that we had going in. Um, to constantly be, like, asking the other person, like, are you fed? Are you – have you had enough water? Have you done this? And I think it very much puts you in the other person's headspace and keeps you empathetic Um, and then also kind of keeps you, like, as a team because when you're out there, um, we rely on each other so much for so many things, even down to, like, when you're – we're both sitting in the cockpit, like, the center of the boat um it's really hard especially when the sea is rough to move from either side so it's like passing each other stuff constantly like okay so can you pass me this and then we just like um yes we're constantly like passing each other stuff and then we have to make sure that like (laughs) we have to make sure that each other are good on. Hmm.
0: I think I lost them. This is interesting. okay well this is interesting i i i definitely lost them um i'm going to wait a few minutes to see if they come back okay you're
1: back
0: you're back, you're back. you worried me sorry. You left me on the air bump. <laughs> sorry we just like yeah. yeah we're just like no
1: this um, but yes definitely um we prioritize each other a lot and because we rely so much on each other and i mean we our goals are our goals are tied in together and so um we yeah i'm really proud of how we like really work together and watch out for each other I think
2: I actually really like that question because no one's asked us yet. Like people have been like, oh, it's so cool. You guys are still friends, but no one's been like, did you guys get along? <laughs> and, oh, I'm, um,
0: oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: No, no, no. You're fine. Um, what,
0: I was, what I was wondering, does, did, did that time together fortify your guys' relationship? Because it looks like you guys are sitting there having a great time together.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, I think that we definitely... We had plenty of time to share stories like I thought that we were kind of going to be completely like almost like a solo row where we didn't hang out that much. But during the day shifts, we would actually like Lisa mentioned, we would like either be cooking for each other or whatever. Um, I, I think there was only one moment like when it was really tough and hot where we got into like a bit of a fight. But the craziest thing is that we were able to recover from that and know also that we were like well it's not we were like well we're really pushing ourselves we're really tired and you know and be able to recover from that and still get along but we made it I think some of my favorite things are too like we would always do try and do like a sunset check-in and be like how's your body feel how are you feeling mentally and then we would always like during our night shift we would be like have a good rest have a good watch and that was like our go-to like
1: Sign off. <laughs> yeah, like never, never, never go to sleep angry or yeah, never. never don't say I love you, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, no, I think we, um, yeah, we shared more stories, and yeah. I think we've, uh, we've, our, our partnership has like we were like a team that worked together to take on this rowing challenge, mm-hmm. and now we will forever share that with each other, and now we still are working together to try and, you know um develop like essentially lisa's dream of our mission to for the bridges over water fund and so the fact that she even still wants me involved and she's like hey i need your help if you're down to like if you're down to help me, help me out i'm like yeah absolutely and that's like the fact that we're still yeah we're still partners in this business it's not just rowing the ocean it's about like okay then let's let's make these lives change let's keep going
1: and I- it's been, it's been quite cool too because I mean um, this whole kind of concept is something that I very much like hooked up <laughs> and I was like I don't want Nini to feel like she's like obligated to just keep doing all of this insane <laughs> extra unpaid work. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she I think has kind of also like fallen fallen like kind of in love with the whole with the whole concept of it because it is it's beautiful and it's cool and it's unique and It's not often that you are able to like, just just change lives in such a really profound way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now I kind of want to talk about what it was like finishing the rowing, and then I want to kind of get into um, uh, the scholarship. And I have I we I have it to where we can pull it up on the screen, so for people watching can they can kind of look at it as well, and we can go through that a little bit. Um, Really. Now, when you were finishing the rowing, when you're coming towards the end, what was that like? What was that feeling like?
1: It was, well, so it was quite crazy because we actually, we had like um, friends and family and all those people fly in the day before. And it's because you never know when, like when a team is going to finish. And so everybody had already had to change their flights to make sure that they were there when we were arriving. And so um, we were actually, if we had kept rowing hard, we would have gotten in at like two o'clock in the morning. And so everybody had just flown in and arrived. And so we kind of made a, made a decision together to like, just we, and we just let the waves sort of push us because we had like ideal conditions. And so I remember thinking like it was, you know, middle of the night and it was like a full moon and the conditions were perfect. and we're like coming in accomplishing this massive goal that we had set for ourselves and then you know had a couple little tears and I but I also was very like this is going to be the last quiet moment we're going to have in a while um, and it was. I think there was something really
2: powerful about seeing Antigua too because I don't know so if you saw our social media there's this video of us leaving La and this one video where like there's this thing is it called it's like La Clima or something or like Kalima, and it's like it's literally dust from the Sahara that blows over and just creates this fog and it's a really dense and so when we left La Gomera, it was like within the first 30 minutes, we lost sight of the land. I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> like see it, you know, in however many days. And so at, we were in sight of Antigua at night. So we, the, we saw like the little lights and then you're getting closer and closer. And I think because Lisa and I both met in Antigua, it's a familiar place. It very much feels like home to us. So, and Lisa hasn't been here in a couple of years. I was here last yeah. last season, but um yeah so I think also because Lisa like we would have this really bad habit of like looking at our mileage and the the rate we were going and would like sit there and do math all the time and she'd be like we're gonna set a record and then be like okay maybe not yeah we are we're not and we would do it to each other but I was like yeah so that was it's a bit of a mind game but so I wouldn't really I was like okay I have all this excitement about a potential record and I'm gonna put it And I'm going to put it in a jar and then I'm just going to release it as soon as we cross the finish line. But there was definitely a moment like with seeing Antigua in sight where I was like, okay, I can allow myself to feel that excitement and a little bit of accomplishment. We're not quite there yet, but like there is like something so rewarding about having land come back into your site after so many days at sea and just stars and sunsets. And I mean, we saw a bunch of incredible wildlife as well, but returning to land is like, I don't know it's it's I mean that's mm-hmm. the longest stint we've both done at sea. Yeah. Not to mention stepping on land was insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean like there's a video I think like the live feed from Atlantic campaigns or something and I stumbled so hard like I kind of stepped off the boat with this confidence like yeah like just getting off the boat as you do and then I almost fell, like, flat on my face because my dad fortunately caught me before, you know, I ate pavement. But, like, honestly, it was, like, I, I told some people, I was, like, I felt intoxicated. Like, it felt like someone had just, like, rocked my whole head and my legs were just, like,
1: you don't work anymore. <laughs> and then you, like, you, you get off and then you, like, go onto this little podium and they start asking questions. And, like, me and I are both. Or just leaning against
2: this wall. Yeah, they're like with their microphone. <laughs> like, um, micro-
1: like, <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't at <laughs> <laughs> i there. Just leaning against this wall. Like, oh my god, what's happening? <laughs> but Super fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Glad to be now,
2: back on the
0: show. <laughs> oh yeah. Now, accomplishing a world record and uh, obviously accomplishing the row. Have you guys gotten a lot of media coverage since, since then? And uh, have you had like anybody uh, crazy reach out to you or anything like that?
1: Um, we've both done a fair bit of like media local to like where we're from, and then we can't—I can't drop it yet. But we have—we uh, have some bigger stuff coming down the pipeline. <clears throat>
2: I'm actually really excited because because so here's another funny thing about our row is that so we because we were training in the U.S. Virgin Islands, we decided to fly the USBI flag which technically
1: not <laughs> technically yeah
2: we're not supposed we're supposed to fly like an american flag but somehow but i'm canadian yeah and so she's like i don't want to find an american flag, but <laughs> <laughs> we're like no well, okay so we somehow slipped by under the radar and got a USBI flag on our boat which then the guy who runs the race a, organizer was yeah. like uh what is that? <laughs> we were like, "Wow, well, I, I gotta go." <laughs> we're like, "I don't know. It's there though now, so we're gonna row with it." But anyway, it, it was really exciting because from our row, um, the USDI government was like, "What? These girls are representing USVI? Like, how incredible!" So they have supported us since um, our accomplishment, and that's been really cool. Yeah,
0: that, that's cool. Now, yeah. um. You guys are obviously in the search for uh, people to apply for the program, the scholarship. I wanted to pull that up on the screen so we can kind of go through it. Um, I don't know how much of this you guys want to uh, go over.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And so it's it's been quite, it's honestly, David, been a little bit stressful because, you know, I thought it was kind of a build it and they will come sort of thing. And so it's a build it, I think it's more of like a build it and then you have to promote it really hard. And then hopefully they will come. Mm. We just have to find the right outlets, and I think this
2: yeah. podcast is a perfect place to kind of yeah. like help us like branch off from there and be like, okay, our scholarship application is live, and anyone who is kind of involved in this sort of like field, yeah, please share our scholarship application so that we can find people's lives and
1: set them up with job placements and yeah. careers. You know, because there's no like, especially for for you for people who aged out, there's no like. I don't know, like Spidey Sense Network. We're just like, <laughs> spidey. Is we're there just, one of those where like not people who have aged? Yeah, people with Spidey senses. <laughs> um, Like, I mean, we're just like, you know, like people out in the world. And so to, you know, kind of be able to target that demographic is um where that is the current challenge. And so we actually extended um, the application to uh, be open until April 12th. Okay. So, yeah. So do you what do you want to talk about this and then yeah yeah I'm
2: gonna I was like I can't quite see yeah I'm gonna pull it up on my phone at the same time so that I can
0: oh okay um is it blurry or something
2: it's just small on our screen yeah yeah. maybe if I can I don't know ooh girl full screen what
1: all right I got it here too all right (laughs) (laughs) technology. yes yeah, so gonna uh, me
0: i just don't know like so do you just want to hit like bullet point type things or and just talk about briefly each page i just yeah, kind Cover like i, uh,
1: I can kind of just like talk talk through it a little bit okay. um so i mean the uh obviously our mission is to um bring young adults who have aged out of the foster care system into maritime careers, um, young adults who've aged out are exceptionally um, vulnerable to high risks of homelessness, teen pregnancy. Um, if you look at the rate, the rates of um, post-secondary education or secondary education completion, it's just so exceptionally low compared to any kind of national standard. Um, and the struggle to just reach adulthood can be enough that um, achieving anything beyond that is, is kind of a pipe dream. And so that's something that we're looking to break the cycle on. Um, and so our uh, kind of eligibility is um, young adults aged 19 to 30 years old um, who either aged out or spent more than 10 years in a social services system in North America. And so that actually does extend to um, Canada, the United States, and caribbean countries um because nini and i have both lived and worked in a number of different caribbean nations um we definitely especially Antigua and the virgin islands um i'm pushing to have candidates from from both of those places too we're doing some work um here locally um to promote as well um and so our program um is Leading into the maritime industry, which has a wealth of opportunity um, for a wide range of skill sets, including um, seamanship. Um, there's a lot of incredible professional networking that happens, um, and then if effectively creating like financial stability is the ultimate goal. Um, and so the um, I kind of developed four pillars of our bridge for a bridge over water. Um, which are Individual Planning and Development, um, Education and Training, which, um, Mentorship. Sure yeah, there you are. Yeah, you are. Um, And then Interpersonal Leadership and Development. Um, so the uh, uh, Individual Planning and Development kind of gets into the stage right after our applicants are selected, and so they become one of our scholarship recipients. Um, and so we're set up to be able to, um, as we discussed earlier, um, go through some career counseling, um, and then that will then dictate who would come in to be a mentor. And so we have really, we have some exceptional mentors um, who are at the top of our industry, um, like captains of some of the most impressive boats that, that have been on this planet. Are, uh, are kind of some of our some of our backers, and then we're happy to assist with like logistical support, um, all these different things. Because obviously, I mean, I know I didn't get my driver's license until I was twenty five. Um, yeah, I mean, I just never really had a chance to, and then I moved away. And then, um, but uh, yeah, having having some logistical support, um, and then getting set up with uh, with some mental health support because it's not lost on us that kind of stepping into an entire new world can be big and stressful and have a lot of, have a lot of different repercussions. Um, and then if sh- you have any questions? I just realized I've talked a
0: lot. <laughs> I don't know. So I
1: think, I think the
2: fun comes into play in large part with the education and training. So yeah. like, that's where the bulk of like the donations. And um, like I said, the, the Bridges Over Water Fund, the creme Mm -hmm. de creme, is going into learning where that individual wants to um, kind of specialize in and finding them the education and training to allow them to develop the skills that they might require to the job placement that they um, desire most. I mean, uh, to make them well-equipped for that job, right? So for instance, as a deckhand, we're discussing how some of the basic training might be an STCW course, as well as um, either like a day skipper or yacht master course. Um, let's explain it this Right. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> but the thing with boat people, as we talk about, like everybody knows what the heck we're talking about. So yeah. basically your STCW is like your
2: basic safety training course where you learn first aid, uh, seamanship uh, skills, um, your Fire, firefighting, marine firefighting, firefighting, and personal um, survival techniques. And it's like,
1: and then it's like security. Yes, yeah, security awareness is a different course. Yeah, but yes, yeah, think- so that that's a course that like everybody who gets paid to do anything on a boat has to have. So all of our candidates would go through an STCW training program, um, and then a seafarer's medical. Those are like two two mandatory things. Um, the STCW is a one week course, and it's actually quite fun. You get to like. Um, uh, cause you do your, uh, uh, firefighting course. So then you get to do like, everybody goes in, you go in with the fire hose and court, it's, of course, part of the training everybody loves. Um, except it's always really hot. In this <laughs> Especially if you go to the Caribbean. But. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. So then the next fun part is like the, this, this specific training. So like Nini was saying for deckhands. um, a day skipper course is is onboard navigation, building sea miles, um, learning how to sail a boat. And then uh, we have a, an educational partner called the Northeast Keelboat Alliance, um, which is based in uh, like Newport, New York area. Long Island, New York. Uh, Long Island, sorry. And so their um, main uh, kind of goals are to provide um, high performance training for like high level sailing candidates, like um, kind of getting into more performance sailing. But they're really excited to be able to provide that same type of training to our candidates. And so um, they'll be able to provide uh, like traditional trades, mile building, a lot of really valuable at sea training to our deck candidates, which then they can go on and apply towards licenses. Um, people going towards the interior would then get uh, silver service training. Um, there's like a number of different, um, like interior, uh, courses and then our UK based, um, educational partner at crew Academy will be providing, they have like a whole bunch of different, you know, like wine service. And so they like, they have like cigar selection and guest training programs, um, and all of these things. All of our candidates will be provided with leadership training from uh, the Crew Academy in the UK. Um, and so the uh, like course part of it, everybody gets trained on what it is that they would like to do. And then um, we've been, I've spent quite a long time building um, a network of boats and captains who would be interested in providing job placements. So once um, all of that process is done and then um, the courses are finished, then we'll be able to provide um, job placement assistance. Um, and with a focus on boats who are going to provide healthy mentorship and learning environments. And so once our, once our candidates get into the onboard environment, um, it, I mean, it's not like a mentorship is definitely a lifelong process. Um, and so our, our program mentors know that they're, I mean, you're looking at like a one to two year commitment, um, in making sure that our, uh, our candidates are well-equipped to succeed.
0: What is, what is the timeline from start to finish as, um, in, in going to school and everything for this?
1: Um, the, uh, the school section, like the training section. Um, For anybody who would be going to the Nika program, um, I would guess it would probably be about two months, one to two months with uh, Nika. I think it'd be longer. I think, so I think
2: you would do, like, the courses, right, the coursework, the preliminary, like, STCW, and that's, like, a week of, like, getting, sitting down doing the books. But I think, like, the apprenticeships and, like, building those skills, like, with Nika in particular, because they're willing to train them not just on, like, Um, performance sailing but also like the basics of like um, boat repairs and maintenance Mm -hmm. um, which is really cool and valuable and um, through like an apprenticeship like that it's anywhere from 6 to 12 months that they're willing to take them on and that's really cool too because they also provide accommodation and stuff so they're they're
1: awesome. Yeah it's it's quite like we're taking everything kind of on a case-by-case basis for example like interior candidates um, all the coursework Like all the training can be done kind of within a month's period and then be ready to go to go into the onboard environment. Um, Deck candidates, because it is a lot more in-depth in that regard, um, would be longer, but sort of still like um, uh, kind of like within... You'd still be like working. I would say I would say it ranges from the position
2: that's available. So it's mm-hmm. going to be something that's either like seasonal, which would be somewhere like three to four months or like a temp gig that, and that seasonal position could lead into something that's long, prolonged. So, like it could be like that seasonal position leads into like uh, another year or more. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but anywhere from like that three to four months to six months as like you're you're, I mean, the two months is like a trial period
1: always. So, yeah, but like, so say from like the time of the time of like getting your application accepted and you're part of the program, I kind of look at it as about one month of like getting all your paperwork together, getting ready to go. An STCW is like we said a week. Um, and then realistically, we'd be looking at like three to six months into like a paid job.
0: Like Hopefully pay. Job,
1: sure
0: <laughs> what is what is the average pay in the maritime industry
1: um that can vary specific vary quite a lot for um for entry-level positions so for like an entry-level deckhand stewardess, um typically it's about three to four thousand dollars per month or if you're working on a charter vessel. Um, And so charter vessel means that the boat is also rented out and then you would get additional charter tips on top of that, which can be pretty substantial, um, oftentimes double your salary um, or even more. Uh, Working on private vessels, um, you would be getting into, uh, like vessels that don't charter will often pay a little bit more um, because they don't charter, the owners just use them specifically. So typically, about four to four thousand five hundred would be an entry level, um, and then moving up from there. So then, like a bosun would be typically on about a five thousand dollar a month salary, um, an officer on seven to eight thousand dollars a month um, on a on a large yacht, and then um, captains. Mm, you're doing well.
0: <laughs> well that's awesome i'm glad glad to know that you're doing well that's awesome um
1: i work on a store but i'm, I'm, I'm
0: not i'm, I'm sorry not what? <laughs> what what would like, you say
1: i said i work on i work on a mid-sized boat so i'm
0: not oh but like, i do all right
1: <laughs> i
0: have,
2: my experience with freelancing like the day work, it was like hundred my like starting rate was one fifty US dollars to two hundred dollars a day. And that was just that's a day rate, which isn't bad, you know. That's yeah. That's not. <laughs> I was happy.
0: <laughs> okay, so um as far as this goes, is there anything else you want to go through um on on the slides? Education training, you kind of went through that mentor. Um, um
1: yeah, I think, I think that would kind of be that for the for the prospectus document. Um, okay. But I mean, I think one something that always struck me about the the whole like sailing industry is how supported I felt when I came in because you know you live on board, you work on board, and so a you don't have any expenses, which is really nice. Your your food is all taken care of. Um, you have a you have a chef on board to to feed you, <laughs> which is um, you become quite lazy. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got after I was like I taken some time off one time and then it was lunchtime and I was like, but how am I going to eat? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, spoiled, right? But uh, something that always really um, struck me was yeah, the kind of supportive nature of the onboard environment is a place where like. Coming from not really having having a family, um, I sort of found my family, and I found a very international family. Um, and like, whether you had my background or, or a different one, like we have this big, massive international family where no matter where we go, there's, you know, somebody, and um, you always have support everywhere, and you get to really get involved in other cultures and get to like intimately know so many places all over the world and so just the like the opportunities are are vast and very cool and um, it's it's the type of job where the harder you work the the better things get which I mean it's awesome. <laughs>
0: that's that sounds so amazing that sounds like uh like a dream job because it is it kind of seems freeing in a sense like being in the middle of the ocean just sailing just being on a boat i mean i'm sure it's a lot of work but it just seems like it would be there's like a piece to that yeah it's
2: been funny because i remember i found my start in the sailing industry and I kind of followed my brother into it. And so with uh, just the two of us, you know, my dad would look at us and be like, what have I done? Like both of my kids are just sailing around the world. And I'm like, you do realize it's like, it's really hard work. (laughs) Like you make it sound, remember when there was that fad of people being like, what people think I'm doing and like what I'm actually doing. It's like, people think that you're just like in the Caribbean, like living the dream. And then reality is like, you're in the bilges, like covered (laughs) in oil and just being like, bollocks and you're just like, hmm. But then you get to poke your head up and be like, I'm in the Caribbean.
0: <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah, it's extremely good to memorize anything that anybody does because it just you you see the results of it. You don't see the all the work that goes into it. But yeah. but <laughs> I, I would think that like being in the middle of the ocean has to be one of the that's probably one of the most rewarding things about what you do, right?
1: Yeah. And that's why we both loved this race that we did because we both just love being in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. There's something, there's like a peace and calm
2: and just, I don't know. I think that I've explained this before, um, that there's, you know, when, if you have a heart that longs for kind of being in the middle of the sea, there's a part of you that misses it if you've been landlocked for too long. And so you know, I mean, I think I really loved our experience out there, even when we had a new moon and I, while well, I've seen stars in the middle of the ocean. I was amazed to be seeing like these stars, like just above the horizon line. And yeah. I mean, it was incredible, like, <laughs> and then that, and then the bioluminescence and the water. And um, it's just, it's such a magical experience that not that many people get to ever have, so.
0: Now, this experience that you guys had, did you guys capture it at all with video or anything like that? Can anybody uh, go and see that on your social media? Uh-oh, I think I lost you again.
2: See, it's, I had this joke with Lisa where I was like, hardest moments to capture, trying to capture the full night sky at sea. Like, how do you do a long exposure, but... So there are moments that I'm sure as anyone will understand that cannot be captured or will never do it justice, such as the magnitude of the waves, the brilliance of the stars, the colors of the sunrises or sunsets. And um, as well as like, you know, the experiences of uh, overcoming some of the most difficult and challenging moments that we had being like brutally um, beat down by sun or whatever it was, but so, you know, we did our best to kind of document uh, and reach out to social media and just, like, say, hey, like, we're still out here. We're doing okay, and this is the progress we've made. And that, that I mean, is a little bit captured in our journey. And we um, yeah, tried to share, like, moments of, like, what we were confronted with, with, like, challenges of, like, boat breakages or whatever it is that we had. But, yeah, as far as, like, those moments of stars in open ocean, it's – there's a little taste of it, open ocean wise, but definitely there are some moments that you can't
1: quite. But we we grasp. do have, but we do have social media. We have uh, Facebook and our Instagram. Both of them are at Team Ocean Grown. and it was quite crazy because our Instagram got quite big. Yeah, we have like almost yeah. twenty thousand followers now. Yeah, there's a there's a video that Mimi got to be rowing that has like two and a half million views now. That's a good oh. one. That one is yeah. worth checking out because it was yeah. like
2: a moment where I caught you know, we talk about getting knockdowns and like this rogue wave came while she was on the horse. And I think I'm sitting there and I'm like, are you okay? Because <laughs> you just see this wave like form to the side of the boat and just like rock us. And then you imagine like that was like a calm wave. So yeah. when you imagine like a wave or a knockdown where Lisa actually lost like her Holly Hansen jacket and her headphones and stuff. Yeah. And we were like literally the boat, if this is the boat normally with, you know, we were basically like 75 degrees over. Yeah. If not. Yeah. At like a 90 degree angle. <laughs> i like hanging out like this. I woke up in the cabin, like, um, look. I was like looking at the ceiling, like, yep, we're going to rotate. We're going to roll. And then for whatever reason, we just self-righted. And I was like, okay. And then of course, like the next moment you're like, are you okay? <laughs> like, did that just happen? So, yeah.
0: Yeah. But, That's awesome. I am so happy for you guys. I'm happy that, well, I'm for, first of all, I'm happy that you guys are alive because I, I know that's <laughs> really dangerous to go in the middle of the ocean um, in such a small vessel. And then I'm happy that you guys were able to achieve something so great and be rewarded accordingly because that's not an easy task to do whatsoever. And it's extremely commendable. And you did it all for the sake of charity and helping other people. And you guys should be proud of yourselves for that. So that is awesome.
2: Thanks so much, Um, David. I'm happy we're live and able to join you on here too. So we're like, we have to make it to store so we can go on
0: David's podcast. Yeah, I would like to be able to help you as much as I can. So, you know, obviously, we can talk about uh, other things that we can do together uh, after this. Um, But is there anything else that you want to mention on the podcast before we wrap it up?
1: um the the biggest thing i mean especially um well you say you're proud of us we're also super proud of you um seeing how far you come with our podcast and you do so many cool things um within the within our community and so for anybody listening um anybody who may have any connections uh, we do have a very cool unique um incredible opportunity to uh to really make a difference in people's lives and so Um, we are open to promotion and all, and and if you know somebody who would be good for the,
0: uh, oh, um, completely lost them.
2: Let me see if I can get them back. Hold on a second. (laughs) <laughs> you thought you lost it. You thought you could <laughs> Oh, that was stressful. We're like, no,
1: no. It's um, right. Yeah, Not but funny. if, uh, if, if uh, anybody knows of anybody who you know um, would be good in helping us to promote this, to get people um, on our application, let us know. We're, uh, we worked really hard to get to the race, and then now we're now we're going on the new adventure.
2: So, yes. Yeah, so our
1: application is also accessible
2: at www.oceangrown.co. No M because the M was too expensive for us. Backslash <laughs> mission, and you can uh, you'll find that application, and you just press apply now, and uh, and you'll have access to sending your information our
1: way, so we can um, consider you as a potential candidate. And there's awesome. also lots of, di- um, within the application, there's lots of information about, like, the different areas of the industry.
0: Um, Very so. cool. All that is in the show notes. Uh, just for anybody who's listening, just go there. You can find it. Your website's there. Your social media is there. Everything is there. So. Cool. Well, I think your guys' internet yeah. connection is a lot you. better <laughs> now. <The> it's <connection laughs> moving and your eyes blinking. Oh,
2: good. Now that we're <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we saved the best for a lot
0: yeah 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 absolutely (laughs) well uh, thanks again guys for doing the podcast and thanks again for reaching out it really uh, honestly means a lot that you're like i I, we should do his podcast again so thanks i really appreciate that and it's (laughs) cool to see the success that you guys had you two have had so likewise
2: we're thank you for thank you for having us and we're super honored to you know see how your podcast has developed and yeah thank you again
0: thank you so much Yep. Thank you guys. Enjoy uh enjoy the moment.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. You too. All right. Exactly. All right.
0: Thank you guys.